What's going on, guys? Welcome back. Clocks on the Stove, episode 80, 8-0. We got a little MMA, uh, a little recap of last week, a little preview of what's going to happen, some news, some of this, some of that. We're also going to uh, start off real quick with some NCAA wrestling updates. The NCAA Wrestling National Championships were this past weekend. We had Penn State take the lead and win the tournament um, with your national champs by, I think, by like 100 points. Um, they completely swept the floor. Iowa took second, and our very own Cornell Big Red Wrestling ended up taking third. Her weight class at 125. Uh, Pat Glory from Princeton was the national champion, and I believe he's their first one in 70 years, if I'm not mistaken. Um, also, Princeton what a – yeah, what a I was about to say, what a postseason of sports for Princeton, right? The mm-hmm. basketball team and and Pat Glory and even their sixty five pounder Quincy Monday took third. Um, great run from them. Uh, semifinals one twenty five. We had probably the largest upset in college wrestling history when sophomore Matt Ramos out of Purdue, the four seed, pinned the three time returning national champion Spencer Lee, who I believe only had three losses in his entire college career. Um, fun fact, Spencer Lee has now been upset in his senior season of high school and college when he was a three-timer going in and didn't get a fourth in both. So yeah. that's crazy. At 133, we had Vito Arugio from Cornell defeat uh, two-time defending champion Roman Bravo Young out of Penn State. That was probably the craziest, like, holy shit. Yeah. I personally, I know you're going to touch on this in a little bit, but personally, I – I was just looking. What's the award? I just voted on it. The Hodge Trophy. No, okay, yeah, the Hodge. I think he should single-handedly win the award <laughs> just solely about how bad he ran through Roman Bravo Young. Yeah. And, and, and his bracket. Yeah and, yeah. yeah, and his bracket was quite literally one of the hardest you had to go through at one of the hardest divisions, and he dog-walked it. And yeah, by the way, was, I don't even know if he had a close match. Yeah, not I think he won everyone by at least like four or five points. And by the way, shout out to his dad for giving just the ultimate Chad face during the interview. Like, yeah, I have a camera on me. Like I'm, I'm a goat. Like, yeah, how it is. He's like, yeah, it's genetics. And his dad's like, yeah. Um, funny meme, uh, real quick before we go into 41, uh, Donald Trump was there at the NCAA national tournament, which is awesome. We love to see that support from the president shook the hand of every single national champion. And there's a picture of him and Vito. And it's like the first time Trump's had good relations with Russia. It's him and Vito shaking hands. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, oh, shit. Uh, yeah, Vito looked like a savage. I completely agree. I think he, he could be a candidate for the Hodge. I think it's going to go to Mason Paris, though, the heavyweight out of Michigan. Uh, he went undefeated, and he beat, I think, 11 ranked wrestlers, and he also had 70% of his matches were bonuses. Not so, only that, um, I'm pretty sure he never missed a meet. Like, never, yeah, like yeah no, he wrestled every, every single match. Yeah, year. which yeah. – which, um, I know – so for our non-wrestling fans out there, I know that may not seem like a big big idea, like, oh, you're supposed to show up 100%. In wrestling, a big part of it is you want to preserve your rankings going into the tournament. So if you gain nothing by going to these, like, non-conference meets and, like, wrestling down, because by winning, it doesn't improve your rank at all and you only have something to lose. So the fact that he took on every challenger in every meet, even though he probably could have used the time off, was at weight the entire year. You know, weight cuts suck enough wrestling all that barring any injuries like dude wrestled through it so um unbelievable by him and he was a heavyweight who didn't miss a match those matches are grueling bro that's a takes a hole on your body yeah now i don't know if y'all ever tried to wrestle a 285 85 pound man now i may have my experience 285 pound women 
but it's a little different. It's a little different. <laughs> oh shit! No, both very aggressive. Yeah, yeah. But but it's like it's like wrestling in the pig pen. It's not very fun on either side. You can ask uh-huh. Reed Martin. No, I'm kidding. But yeah, but, uh, moving on to our one forty one. We had uh, Ala Reese. I think that's how you say his last name from Northern Colorado. He's the first ever Northern Colorado national champion. Um, I think Jordan Nickerson's the head coach there. Nick Nickerson, maybe. Uh, he's a brand new coach. He's a historic wrestler. Um, and he's really turning that program around. And it's not like the program was bad. It just didn't have like it, it wasn't a powerhouse. And he's finally starting to make it a powerhouse. What's what school did you say again? Sorry. Northern Colorado. It's oh. something Nickerson. I think it's Jordan. Um, or Ryan, maybe. Well, you look that up. I'll continue. Um, he's the first ever national champ. And it's funny because a fight that we're going to talk about today is Justin Gaethje versus Rafael Fazev. And Justin Gaethje was the first ever All-American for University of Northern Colorado. Troy. So, Troy, Troy. Troy Nickerson. Nickerson. Yes, yes. He's he's a extremely uh, – I don't know his credentials exactly, but I know he's new there and he's very credentialed and he's, like, really turned that program around. Um, but, yeah, what a weekend for Northern Colorado, dude. You get Alariz wins and the NCAA title and then Justin Gaethje, your first ever All-American. Wins in dominant fashion. I wouldn't say dominant. Wins a solid, solid fight. At 49, the man, the myth, the legend, Yanni Diahakamahalas, becomes the fifth ever or sixth. Fifth. I think sixth. Fifth. He's the, he was the fifth. I'm not even so sure it's fifth. He's the second ever Cornell. Yeah, which second is... ever Cornell. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. two out of the five are Cornell. So he's the fifth mm-hmm. ever four-time NCAA champion, as if winning it once isn't hard enough. Um, He defeated Sammy Sasso. And it's so crazy how he wins it, and he's like, I'm not happy. I should have beaten him by more. Yeah. Like, it's just the mindset of him is just insane. I mean, you go back to his speech last year where he won it all, and he's like, he's like not impressed. They ask him, and they're like, what's the matter? And he goes, got to grow some nuts. Like, yeah. I got to grow some nuts. And he's like, yeah. I beat him because I'm better than him. Oh, wow, thanks. <laughs> nice. Yeah, nice. yeah way, way to tell that guy he had his probably his best chance, and you still beat him. So, yeah, good for yeah. you, kid. But, yeah, I mean, that's awesome for the sport. It does hurt Cornell because, I mean, you're losing one of the best college wrestlers. The goats. Yeah. But, um, I mean, he showed it could happen at Cornell, and he's staying at their RTC, so he's going to be around the program, which is definitely going to help their recruiting um, and help to build their Olympic program there as well. At 57, we had a seventh-year senior versus a true freshman in North Carolina. Austin O'Connor wrestled Levi Haynes. Uh, Austin O'Connor wanted to become a two-timer. By the way, I'm a huge Huge Austin O'Connor fan. He got so much shit every year. They always kept saying he wasn't good enough. People were mad he got the one seed. Um, you know, he got no love. Got that bad knee injury last year. I think he took like seventh or sixth. He had, a, you know, he couldn't wrestle as well. Comes back, win it this year. But also, dude, when it talks about letting your nuts hang, Zach, freshman Levi Haynes lets his fucking nuts hang. Redshirted for the majority of the year. They pull his redshirt for the Iowa duel. He goes out there and stuns. Ah, oh shit! I don't remember who their guy was. A, a hammer, you know, a, a nationally ranked kid beats him, and then, and then uh, goes into the Big Tens as a freshman and beats Brock Hardy and wins the tournament. Or not Brock Hardy, excuse me. Um, uh, I can't remember his name, but he beats the Nebraska kid. Peyton, oh, wait, is this that again? Sorry, Peyton Rob, one fifty-seven beats Peyton Rob, wins the tournament as a freshman. Everyone's like, "Well, this kid wasn't in the starting lineup when the season started." So, shout-out to him. He's probably going to be a three-timer. Love Austin O'Connor as well. At 165, we had another young phenom in Keegan O'Toole, who was 0-2 against David Carr this year. 
whoop his ass eight to two in the finals, which is crazy. Um, yeah, man, those those Ben Askren produced guys are nasty. You know, he's a Ben Askren produced guy. Uh, Parker Cash, Yekchian, he's one too, and there's another one. Uh, maybe it's Austin. No, it's not Austin. There's a third one too. That that's a hammer. That's out of uh, Ben Askren's club. Anyways, uh, at seventy four, we had Carter Starachi pin uh Labora in like under a minute, like literally, like Mikey Labora pinned him in like a fucking second. Starachi goes out on a bold statement after because you need to remember real quick. Next year's the Olympics. So there's going to be a lot of kids that don't wrestle and take an Olympic red shirt so they can go compete for the Olympics. So like Shane Griffith's going to do it. Starachi's probably going to do it. There's going to be a lot. going to be a year where you're going to see kids win titles that probably wouldn't have won titles if it wasn't for the Olympics. You know, we saw this when Yanni didn't wrestle and Anthony Ashnault won. Like, no disrespect to Anthony Ashnault. I just don't think he would have beaten Yanni. Um, I mean, based off record and performance, Yanni's literally the four-timer, so. Yeah. Um, I like Anthony Ashnault though. He's uh, I do know a couple girls at FAU that grew up with him though, and he's supposed to be a fucking nut job. No shocker there. Anyways, at so so one seventy four, <clears throat> Carter Starachi wins it right. Goes into his presser after, and he's like, "I'm going for Olympic gold, and then I'm going for UFC gold." The guy in my weight class right now is a D two national champ, and that's fucking like he's like he's like that's scrub shit or like that's baby shit. Straight shots at Usman. Straight shots at Kamar Usman. Carter. <clears throat> You would dog Usman in a wrestling match. No one's arguing that. But he would take your soul in an MMA fight, brother. Okay, so let's – baby steps here. Baby steps. I like the attitude, but – Yeah, you see – a lot more than just wrestling in a fight. Yeah, you see, in wrestling, you're allowed to, like, throw a hip. I can throw a knee or an yeah, elbow. It's, a, it's or, a lot different, brother. It's a lot different. But I do like it. I would love to see him transition. Um, we talk a lot about how not all styles of wrestling transition well to MMA. I don't think Yanni's style would translate that well. I think he's too counter-wrestling and too relying on funk. Now, do I think if Yanni went to MMA, he'd be bad? Absolutely fucking not. I'm just saying there's styles that work better. Greco-Roman seems to be the best. I mean, look at DC and all those guys. But anyways, I would love to see Starachi come in an MMA. Um, 84, we had Aaron Brooks defeat Parker Kekshian. Aaron Brooks from Penn State. Uh, Parker Keke, Keke, whoever the fuck you say his last name, Northern Iowa. Aaron Brooks, though, um, I'm not trying to get political or religious here. I'm just going to give a statement. Goes on a limb, <clears throat> or whim, limb, whatever you call it, after the match. They're interviewing him, and they're like, what made you do this? How did you think of that? How did you inspire? And his only answer is Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit. Goes out, and, and then right before the interview ends, he goes, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit are the only forms of God. There's no false prophets, and there's no Muhammad. And we're talking yeah. about in a sport that is over 80% Muslim worldwide. Yeah. It's probably 80% Muslim worldwide. And you're going to say that on the largest American wrestling platform outside the Olympics. Yeah. I'm not yeah. saying, I'm not saying you don't have your, you're not entitled to that opinion and that belief. I'm just saying you could have said all the words outside of shooting shots and Muhammad yeah. two days before Ramadan. Yeah. Yeah. I see that's just something like it didn't really it more so caught me off guard like when I first heard it because like I immediately went from like wow this guy's like really impressive wrestler and then he said that and I was like okay still really impressive wrestler but where did that come from yeah like like why you could have said everything you said and just not said Muhammad's name yeah but hey I mean if you want to light fuel to the fire for some of the people you're going up against by all means 
you don't do be mad when you go to wrestle uh internationally and they try to actually hurt you yes um we <laughs> the laws of the land in america do not do not yeah yeah these soft these sovereign lands are not as not we don't have our safe spaces like we do here yeah. in america let me tell you let me tell yeah. you i just like i said i'm not gonna give my opinion on it or anything i just I'm not even going to dive into more depth. I just think. Right caught us off guard. Yeah, it was right before Ramadan in a sport that is primarily Muslim. I don't know. Take with that info what you want. Some people are calling. Some people are very proud of Aaron Brooks for stating and stating up what he believes in. Yeah. And a lot of people want his head. So I'm not picking a side. I'm just giving you some facts. It's been one of the biggest things talked about. Uh, two more weight classes. We got 197. Nino Bonacarsi. I don't remember who he beat. Which I'm sorry, it's very poor journalism on my end. Oh, he beat uh Trevor Sloan from South Dakota State. Who um Nino Bonacarsi, crazy story. He never won a state title in high school. He never even won states, and then he wins an NCAA title. So if you're a high school wrestler out there and you didn't achieve your high school goals, or you're an athlete in general and you didn't achieve your high school goals, it's still possible. It's he, I don't think he gives a single fuck about not winning a state title anymore. I don't yeah. think he cares at all. I mean, I mean. It's not like it's not, it's not like you peak in high school wrestling. It's just not how. Yeah, like, and if you do, sure, you some, suck. Yeah, but there's always room to grow mentally, physically, in all aspects of life. There's room to grow. So college, I mean, dude, I weighed a buck forty up until this year, yeah. and now I finally got some weight on me. So you you have time. Everyone has time. So as long as you stick to your programming, stick to your beliefs, stick to the grind. Put your nose to the grindstone per se. And get after it. You know, this is what Clocks and Stokes for. I'm telling you right now, he could give two fucks about high school wrestling. He's yeah. an NCAA champion. He doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. Whew. But now all that does is like some kids are like, yeah, I beat that kid in high yeah. school. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I beat that yeah, kid in we, high school. When we were 14, I whooped his ass. <laughs> I gave, gave him a little swirly in the bathroom yeah. at the JV practice. And he's like, look at my little Johnny all grown up. If I didn't whoop your ass, you wouldn't have won. You wouldn't have won. Yeah, there's definitely going to be some uncles out there talking their talk. Um, but finally, finishing it off, as we stated earlier. Uh, oh, also, I think Bona, and I don't know how accurate this is, but I'm pretty confident. Bona Carsey's the first national champ from Pitt since their head coach won it, I think, in like 2008. It was like a passing of the torch. Or maybe it was the first All American at 97. It was something, it was a passing of the torch somehow from the head coach. Bona Carsey finishing us off. We have Mason Paris defeated Greg. I don't know how the fuck to say his last name. I think it's Kurfee Click Kurfee Flick. I don't fucking know from Penn State. Mason Paris uh, from Michigan defeated him, national champ. Uh, Mason Paris, like we said, he could win the Hodge Trophy. He's a fucking savage. He went to Michigan to play football and wrestle and then got there and quite literally was like, fuck that. You guys can't win a national title. I'm going to just do it myself. And just stuck with wrestling. That's got to be one of the coldest things in the world, by the way. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, Kirkley, the guy wrestled, also a dog. But when I was watching the mat, uh, the match, I was literally just sitting there in disbelief. I was like, "There's no way in hell you could escape this man if he like wanted to kill you." Yeah, I was like, oh, "This yeah. is because he's fast is, too." I was like, "This is the fastest 280. This is the most athletic 285 pound man I've ever seen in my life." And the way they can just shoot. On other people, like shoot so fast and level change at the speed that they do, and he's doing like full splits when he's caught in the single leg. I'm like, this is a massive human being 
that would quite literally rip people in half uh, if he was allowed to. So I have a fun fact actually to talk about or a fun topic to bring up real quick. First, before I bring that up, he was a Gable Stevenson away from being like a two, two or three timer. So that's just to show you how much of a fucking savage Gable Stevenson was. Yeah, Gable um, Stevenson. Yeah, monster. monster. But also, so guys like Mason Paris, right? Four-star linebacker, D lineman out of high school. You know, he went there to play both. Like I said, one of the coldest things ever is basically he was like, well, if Michigan can't win a f- football national title, I might as well just go fucking win one myself. And it's just like one, one in wrestling. So hard. Guys like him at that size that end up achieving greatness in wrestling, they end up getting free agent offers for football. Now, if you're a FCS guy or even a power five, if you're a high caliber offensive, a defensive lineman, most likely, I feel like he'd be like a defensive end, right? Yeah. Would you just because the hand fighting? Yeah. He could get past better. anybody. Yeah. Do he you can th- dunk under better than anyone in the world? Would you be upset knowing that he got your roster spot over you? Like, were you like, what the fuck? He doesn't even play football. Or are you just like, yeah, he is fucking phenomenal. Like, he could kill me. Yeah, I have an idea. If you have a problem with it, fight him about it. See how that goes. Yeah. Actually, you know, now that I think about it, I think it depends on your style of wrestling. It would translate better. Because you look at Tristan Wirfs, and the reason what makes him is so such a good offensive lineman is he's such a good defensive wrestler, like a counter wrestler, that he's able to read body movement and redirect. Whereas more of the offensive wrestlers that are good with like duck unders and slip buys and ankle picks, like fuck. yeah, they're just super aggressive and they can bull rush people and then use their hands to kind of work. So now that Dude, I'm thinking, imagine about- if he did, go, he could, he would probably need a whole year of no football play and just one on ones and like and like and like bulk up to like O line weight. Like not saying he is no, already. No, I'd put Mason Paris on DN. Oh, you're saying you would put him at DN? Yeah, I'd put him at DN, bro. He, he could his hand movements better than anybody. He could do. Yeah. Like, yeah, he's a very offensive wrestler, so I would, yeah, I'd put him on defense. I think him running at you would be horrifying. And he's not going to gas out. He's going to be 100% every single fucking play. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to see it. Yeah, that'd be pretty fucking sick. Yeah, I agree. I think there's a lot There's a lot of people that I think would translate really well, mo- mostly in the heavyweight category. Yeah, yeah. Usually the – Problem is the lower in weight you go, the shorter they get. So it's kind of like, oh, your football skills are kind of irrelevant at this point because these are grown men running around at like 400 pounds that run four fours. But, you know, you see, it is what it is. It is but, what it is. Yeah. Um, one of the talking points I wanted to bring up just about the tournament because I think we covered all the weight classes. Um, shout out to our boys, Cardenas and Foca, Cardenas All-American, Foca All-American. Um, so quick shout out to them. Also, Cornell coach, winning coach of the year. Um, I don't know of any of the other awards that were already dignified. I know uh, Yanni won wrestler of the tournament. No, and... uh, Vito won wrestler of the tournament. Vito, I mean, sorry. Yeah. Vito won wrestler of the tournament. Yanni yeah, won. took third as a team. Yeah, he took third as a team, but Yanni won. I don't think he won an award. I could have sworn. Oh, I, I think he won like Cornell wrestler of the week. That's probably why, because I saw it on Cornell's page. Um, the only other thing I wanted to bring up was I saw a lot of videos going around on social media of spencer lee's mom like smashing her glasses when she saw her son lost now i don't know about y'all because i know none of us are parents but i wouldn't i would always want someone in my corner that was that passionate about my success and failures i don't know why people i guess social media i i get caught up in how negative social media is because no one's ever happy with their lives on social media and it's such a miserable experience i try to limit my well i saw a meme that's like that's like instagram is like fake reality like oh my god look how happy i am and twitter's like i want to fucking die 
Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All the time. It's just so miserable because you have people like hating on her. I'm like, all right, sorry. Your mother didn't love you and never got mad at your little baseball game. Like, dude, like people are calling her a nut job. I'm like, bro, I, if my, if I was a three-time champ and I lost like that, I would want my mom to want to fight that kid. Yeah. What? Yeah, exactly. And like, Here's another thing. You have to be a little bit mentally insane. Your desire for wanting it has to be a little yeah. bit crazier than everyone else's if you want to reach that level of success. Hey, you can be the normal sociable kid. That's fine. But the reason why some of these kids are as good as they are is because they are quite literally insane. Yeah, and they would remember too, his mom, the one that broke her glasses, she was an Olympic alternate for judo. Yeah. So she also understands like the grind and the and the dedicate like she understands everything. So yeah, yeah that hurts. If, if you lose at something you worked your whole fucking life for, like this, like last second, and your mom didn't cry, your mom doesn't fucking love you, bro. Like what? That, that, that kid had the opportunity to be what? Less than 0.000001% of humans ever. And he, yep. it got upset with like 10 seconds left. Yeah, his mom should be fucking sad. Like I would want my mom to be sad, you know? Like I don't understand why people yeah. call her crazy. Only thing is, I wish they would have put the video on Ramos's mom celebrating his win rather than Spencer Lee's mom hurting. That's the only thing. Now, I understand media. There's no ethics. There's no morals. You got to do what gets the most clicks. I get that side of it. I, I As a also, competitor, though, with my mom, I'd rather my mom not be on TV in front of hundreds of thousands, millions of people crying her eyes out. Yeah. I also guarantee you the production team had already had cameras lined up, assuming that he was going to win. Spence Lee was going to win, and they had yeah. no idea where Ramos's parents were. They probably don't even know who Ramos's parents were. Uh, I will say the photo that the NCA was able to take of Spencer Lee and Matt Ramos shaking their hands, I believe, it was after the match. Yeah, it's when they're it's when they're about to go up to get their medals. Yeah, get their medals, shaking of the hands. One of the pinnacles of wrestling is respect and sportsmanship you each wrestler on a roster understands what each one has gone through to get where they're at it is the most i'd say arguably the most important factor of what makes a wrestling is like honor and the code that goes with it so for them to be able to look each other eye to eye and respect one another that's huge it's big for the sport it shows that even though you have your highest and highest lowest lows you can still be there to pick one another up it's what it's about. That's what sports are about. So we're always going to support um, our wrestlers in that endeavor. Also, but, Matt Ramos, coldest motherfucker alive, dude. Yeah. Quarterfinals interview, he he literally goes, I wanted Spencer. Like, he's he's my why. Like, I want Spencer. Yeah. I don't want to run from him. I want to face him. I want to beat him. Speaking like, of that. Oh, it's so cold. Speaking of that, that just reminded me of Vito's comments that people got all butthurt about. Because this man in his post-conference interview, when they asked him if this was it, if it was a dream of his to win NCAAs, they asked him and he was like, no, he goes, it's a stepping stone. He goes, but my dream since I was a little boy, my dad instilled in me is to get my hand raised for a gold medal. Yeah, he, that's wants all I Olympics. he wants to be a yeah. world champ, Olympic champ. Yeah. 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 And of course, rather than people being like, Oh wow, that's a great goal. They were like, Oh, so are you like discrediting all the NCAA champions? Like, no, you no, you he's fucking super happy to be a national. Yeah. Champion. Yeah. If he wasn't happy about it, why didn't he win it the first two? Yeah. Two years? Obviously it's very difficult to yeah. do such a thing. But like he said, it's not his ultimate goal, but it is a great success and an honor. That's why he celebrated as he did. Just wanted to put that He's not American fully. So like growing up, he probably didn't even like know if he was going to wrestle in college. He might have thought, oh, I graduate high school and go straight to Olympics, you know, because a lot there and outside of America, that's what happens. 
you after you finish you you go to U23 and then once you hit U23 you go straight to the worlds. Um so that's that. Also Yanni said the same thing and got no hate. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's yeah. it's fucking stupid how the media yeah. works. But yeah. um but yeah, you know and I respect Vito. Vito did not go out there and say I don't give a fuck. No, he he cares a lot. He cut a lot of weight and worked his ass off for a reason to win that. Yeah. He's just stating that there's a lot of guys that win an NCAA title and they become content and they're like, "Oh, there's all my work." He's like, "No, no, no. no. This is just getting me ready for my lifelong child being Olympic champ. Yeah. By the way, I know we don't I know our pod was mainly UFC structured, but we're already 25 minutes in talking about wrestling and whatnot. But I really do think Vito could make a run at this world stage or Olympic stage, excuse me. I don't know who he has. <clears throat> I mean I know who I've date and fixed. So the Olympic weights are different. There's only six of them. There's 10 in college. So you get like, you can get like three different weight class world champions in one Olympic bracket and just to qualify. So I don't fully know um, who's there. I know he'll have Dayton Fix, he'll have Thomas Gilman, um, he'll have he, Darian Cruz. Oh, dude, he was he was silver in yeah, 2020. Yeah. So, yeah. so Gil, yeah, Gilman. Gilman's the one that beat him, right? Gilman at gold. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Vito had silver, and then Nathan Tomasello with bronze. Tomasello, that's right. Yeah, so he quite literally can make the team. Like, he can. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Dude, but looking anyways. at looking at that 2020 roster, dude, we'll just do this real quick. 57 kilogram Thomas Gilman, 65 kilogram Jordan Oliver, 74 Kyle Dake, 86 David Taylor, 97 Kyle Snyder, 125 Gables. And Jordan Oliver didn't even wrestle. Didn't even wrestle. Yeah. You know, you know who, you know, you want to know who was the silver for all of this in order that I just named? It was Vito, Joey McKenna, Jordan Burroughs, Bo Nickel, Colin Moore, and Nick uh, Gwazdowski, who, by the way, is the coach at Cornell, who just got it, who finally places a coach, his first year of coaching. So, by the way, massive, massive human being. Yeah, he's one of the biggest people I've ever met in my life. Yeah, Mason Paris, who won it all, bronze. Yeah. (laughs) So... And if I'm not mistaken, there's no Russia this year. So we are going to sweep the Olympics. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. For their whole oh shit. Oh, we're gonna run it. We're gonna run it. Run as it. long as Iran doesn't come out and sneak up on us, we're gonna run it. Wait. Vito is representing America or Russia? No, Vito Vito's America. Okay, thank God. Yeah, he's America. <laughs> um, the Christ only God. big name guys you would that you I could think of that aren't that don't wrestle for America. That are like American is Sebastian Rivera wrestles for Puerto Rico, um, the Michigan kids, uh, uh, Michik, uh, st- st- oh, st- uh, st- Stephen Michik. He uh he wrestles for Poland or some European country he's from, and then the other one is uh, Austin Gomez wrestles for Mexico. <clears throat> but the what? the majority of them they wrestle for those countries because they can't make the lineup in America. Yeah. So now that I'm reading through it. Spencer Lee was first in the trials. Vito was third. Tomasello was second. But was was it because no? But Lee had his torn ACLs last year. Why couldn't he wrestle in the twenty twenties? I don't know. Maybe he did. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Maybe that was when he had his surgeries. No, because I. No, because he tore both his ACLs for COVID. Oh shit! That 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 was COVID. Yeah, that was why. Yeah. Yeah. 
And that's when that's when Nick Seriano from Rutgers won the national title, and everyone was like, he only won because Spencer Lee wasn't there. And he was like, it wasn't my fault he tore his knees. He's like, yeah. I was down to wrestle him. Yeah. I mean, Spencer Lee literally won NCAAs with both torn ACLs. So Yeah, but Spencer Lee also medically forfeited out of the tournament after he lost to Matt Ramos. So there's Okay, okay, this year. There's two this edges year, every story, brother. Okay, yeah. There's one thing about being pinned to win it all with two torn ACLs. Oh no, that's that's in, absolutely insane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The fact that he, you, I could, I wouldn't even step on the mat regardless. But even if I was wrestler with a high ankle sprain, I'd be like, nah, I'm not doing it. Bro, this I'm right. completely healthy and I can't even make it to the tournament. <laughs> he won it with no knees. Like, that's that's unreal. But yeah, let's yeah, we talked a lot about wrestling. Uh, I've been to the fat, the MMA, great wrestling talk by the way. Loved it. Wait. Um, it was a great NCAAs this year too. It's a lot of crazy shit. Yeah. You want by the way, you want to talk about March Madness having an impossible bracket? I dare you to try and fill out a wrestling bracket. Oh, you can't do what most of them are is they do elite eight on. Like like once the elite happens, they do it because it's just impossible. Yeah. It's just impossible. Yeah. Um yeah. So back to it. Let's talk about the U we had UFC two sixty eight this past weekend. Our co-main event was Justin Gaethje versus Rafael Fizev. Um, my notes on it. First of all, banger of a fight, banger of a fight. We all knew that was gonna come. Honestly, the whole card was fucking great. Um, great overall card. It sucked. It was the time it was. I wish it was later. Round one, Fazeb went out there, and dude, that guy is. He might be the fastest guy at lightweight. He because Gaethje is fast as shit, and he was faster. Um, he his kicks come out of every angle. They come everywhere. I think the deciding factor in this fight was the veteranism of Gaethje. Mm-hmm. Two things. One, when Gaethje hit him, I think there's a little more pop than when Fazev hit him, and I think that started slowing him down. And two, Gaethje can fight at that pace for five rounds. He's done it. I, Fazev can't. He can't keep up that pace. It's just too much. So Gaethje just stayed the same path. He didn't change anything. He didn't freak out, and it just slowly started chopping that tree. But I'm not going to take anything away from Fazev, dude. He proved he deserves to be there. I mean, he's at six. I think that's perfect. He's like right there with those guys. Minor tweaks. That's his first huge fight. You know, like you can't, you can't knock him yet, but he's a bad motherfucker. He's a bad motherfucker, dude. Yeah. Kind of the way I saw it, I kind of figured this is what, what was going to happen. You know, Gaethje's veteranism was going to carry him through the fight. I thought both guys came out really strong. You know, obviously, because even the early rounds was able to wobble Gaethje. He never dropped him though, which comes to a surprise to me. Because I think I'm starting to develop a newfound respect for Charles Oliveira because he straight dropped Gaethje when he fought him, like stunned him. It was like a, a straight too, like either straight, jab or just, cross. Yeah, it was. It caught Gaethje. They had just got out of the clinch. They went for the clinch, and Gaethje, what he usually does is he steps into a kick right out of the clinch. Charles immediately broke. Boom! Right to the jaw. Drop Gaethje. It wasn't was even like, like a power shot too. It was just clean no, just, as fuck. Yep. Just flip the hips. Perfect straight. Well, Gaethje was, said Oliveira was the hardest hitter he's ever fought. Ever fought. And it's yeah. so weird because like his like wiry build, you just don't think with the way all he fights. Hips, bro. It's all yeah. being a big ass motherfucker does not mean you hit hard. It's yeah. all in the hips, dude. Yeah, I agree. And back to the fight though. You know, I thought Fazeev was like worrying me about my Gaethje prediction just because of like how well he was landing earlier. But as Gaethje goes on, like Gaethje, e- even though Fazeev was landing, it wasn't like damaging. The, or, uh, well, in the first Justin. round it was for sure. Yeah. But I mean like visually, like visually. Yeah, Gaethje looked, did you see him at the presser? He had no clean. cuts or, he looked, or anything. Clean. Now, his face was destroyed. 
Yeah, it looked like he had a hole in his eye. Um, now maybe Gaethje, his like base bones are made of the same shit that his shins are because man is literally has steel rods just going throughout. He's literally Wolverine. That, that's yeah. probably what he is. But I I posted this on Twitter and there was some mixed reactions about it. Maybe some people are stupid. I just want to state my case. I said with that win, does Justin Gaethje have a lock for the Hall of Fame? Over eighty percent. Over 80% of people said yes. I'm going to bring up, I'm going to play a little devil, devil's advocate of why people said no. Look, I get he's seven and four in the UFC. I get he's never held a true belt outside of an interim title. Still pretty fucking great. Hey, I'm just, I'm playing devil's advocate. Yeah, no, I understand. Trust me. With that being said, every single fight this man has been in has been a performance of the night bonus or fight of the night, which by the way, I think when he retires, they need to start renaming some of the awards. I think it would garner a little bit more respect towards the sport and add to its history. The Justin Gaethje fight of the night award. Or yeah, just call it the Justin Gaethje award or the Gaethje fight. Well, they do that in every other sport. If you think exactly. Yeah, exactly. It adds, it adds to the history of the sport. It causes people to see like, Oh, why is that? You know, when you look at, when you look at the NFL, why is it called the Lombardi trophy? You go and learn the history of the sport. It's kind of what it is. And that's we're clipping this. When, yeah. when when it evidently happens, when it evidently happens, because you got to start naming awards at some point. I agree. So, I, it, it builds more history. It, it yeah. builds like that that culture in the sport, you know? Yes. So it builds the history of the sport. I truly believe they should call it the Gaethje Fight of the Night performance bonus, whatever you want to name keep, it. Yeah, you can keep the name Fight of the Night in it and just put Gaethje's name in front of it. Yeah, just just how it no is. No one's want. No one's ever like like won the Jim Thorpe Award for best defensive back and been like, well, I don't want it because it doesn't say the best defensive back. No, or they're not like, oh, I won the Heisman, but it doesn't say best player. Like, no, that's yeah. not. All right, it's yeah. we need to call it the Deion Sanders Award now, not the Jim yeah. Thorpe. Sh- shut yeah, up, exactly. shut up. No one's ever yeah. said that. Yeah, you know what? How about you fight Justin Gaethje for that right <laughs> right now? So how about that? But regardless, that man always puts on a show. I think he's a lock for the Hall of Fame just for what he's done for the sport. Constantly putting up amazing fights. He's the reason people tune in. He also no doesn't run. He, he'll fight ever. Everybody. He's fought them ever. all. He's fought them all. Yeah. Um, I mean, and there's a reason. Like, I love Cowboy, but there's a reason Connor took the Cowboy fight and not the Gaethje fight. Like, he's not fucking stupid. Um, I think personally, and this is coming from not a fan, but as a fighter, I think if you touch a UFC world title or you touch an interim title, I think you should automatically be in the Hall of Fame. Even if it was... Bullshit the way you got there. I think if you were resembled being a world champion in the UFC for a weight class, I think that automatically puts you ballot in the Hall of Fame. That's just my personal opinion. My only difference was at least one title defense. That's all. Conor McGregor never defended this title. Double champ. But but you just counter you just literally contradicted contradicted okay. yourself. Okay, there's also exemptions like Gaethje never like Gaethje held an interim title, he's still a Hall of Famer. Yeah. You don't you don't defend an interim title. Like Weed is a Hall of Famer. Did he ever hold a belt? No, but I, that's not what I'm saying, Zach. I'm, uh, yes, you can be a no like Cowboys can be a Hall of Famer. He's never touched a belt. But I'm saying yes, if you did touch a belt, you should automatically be a Hall of Famer. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm trying to I'm trying to think of fighters in my you mind. You can't think of one. You can't held the belt, you, and I wouldn't. You can't think of one because even the shittiest champs, Michael Bisbing. He, he fought in the UFC for 17 years and like beat some of the top ranked guys. If Yair. All right, died. I'll give you one. I'll give you one. I'll give you one. Alex Pereira. I wouldn't put him in the Hall of Fame yet. I wouldn't put him in the Hall of Fame yet. If he beats Izzy again, I'll put him in the Hall of Fame. I wouldn't <laughs> the Hall of Fame See, there's the, there's the one yeah. time. There's the but one I time. wouldn't put him in the Hall of Fame yet. 
Yeah, I wouldn't. Long put Hill, I wouldn't. Mmm, mm. that's we're a good gonna, one. Yeah, we're gonna get some hate one. for that one. That's <laughs> a good one. Mm. Okay, and yeah. also when I posted my talk on Jamal Hill, it's not, <laughs> I like Jamal Hill. I like Jamal Hill. I think he's a good guy. I think he's a great fighter. I think he's fun to watch. Like I like Jamal Hill. I just think he's one of the most un un uh, uncredited, uh, unaccoladed that we say uncredentialed champions ever. That's all I'm saying. Right. Now, yeah. he could prove me wrong and go beat the next three, win the next three fights, and I'll shut the fuck up. It has nothing to do with me and him personally. I, li- I want him to keep winning. I like him. Yeah. Great man. And from an Great outsider's percent. point of view, he's, not one, he's one of the worst champs. Yeah. But I'd put him in the Hall of Fame. I'd put him in the Hall of Fame. It's so fucking hard to win a UFC world title. Like, you can yeah. win a Super Bowl and be the shittiest player on your team. You can't be the shittiest fighter, and <laughs> you can't show up being a shitty fighter and win a UFC world title. It does not work that way, brother. Wait, did Matt Sarah beat GSP and become yes. a champion? <laughs> Throw him in the Hall of Fame. I think he is in the Hall of Fame. Is he? Is, that he Sarah is. The, is Matt Sarah in the Hall of Fame? And if he doesn't go as a fighter, he'll go as a coach. I mean, he, he's the grappling coach for fucking all those Henzo Gracie guys. Like like Aljo and Matt Rob, Sarah. Chris Weidman and um who's the other one? In July July fifth, twenty eighteen, Matt Sarah was inducted yeah. to the UFC Hall of Fame. Dude, and I'm the- right. I'm saying I'm right. Like yeah, Matt Sarah sucked, but he wasn't like dog water. Like he had good wins. Yeah. GSP said he only had one good night of rest before a fight, and that was his loss to Matt Sarah. Yeah. So just letting you know, if you ever are having a good night's rest before a fight, you are going to lose. <laughs> <laughs> Take it, take it from the literal greatest fighter to ever step a foot in an octagon outside of well, – I mean, even they're on even keel, in my opinion. I still think GSP's better. It's arguable. It's arguable. Yeah, than John Jones, yeah. Just in my opinion. But yeah, anyway. But we went really off track there. Yeah. Coming back to the Gaethje-Fazev fight. Um, I think – I mean, I, I want to look at the rankings real quick. Um, yeah. Let's, let's see what, what's next in store for – oh, I saw it. Someone was saying Fazev versus Gamrot. That's a fucking fight to make right there, bro. That's what someone was saying. Mm. That would be a fucking fight, brother. Because, look, you got Krizev at six, Gamrod at seven. That's a great fight. And then you do Dustin versus Justin. You got Charles versus Benil. And then you give the winner. Oh, but Chandler's fighting. What's his name at 70? Here's. I think, I think, Krizev, I, 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 the easier one's Dustin. I think you do Dustin versus J- Justin. I think that's a that's a guaranteed. It's first of all, it's a guaranteed banger of a fight. They're gonna stand in the middle of the cage and beat the fuck out of each other for five rounds. Yeah. Um, and they both have big enough draws that you can make it a pay per view. Like they're very big named fighters. I think the, for for Fiziev or Fizev, I think you give him Gamera. I think that's a great fucking fight, and it it proves like which one of you two belong in the top five. Fair enough. I also agree because. Normally, the way I always wanted to play out is if you lose, you should fight someone under you. And if you win, you should fight someone above you. Personally, what I would like to see from Fiziev, Gamrot would be a good one. Um, Armand. Uh, yeah, but Gamrot beat Armand. They wouldn't, he would take yeah. Gamrot over Armand. Yeah, this is true. It's the only one that makes sense, bro, because he beat RDA. It's the only fight that makes sense to me, unless he waits it out a little bit and sees what opens up. But I think he's in a situation where he needs to act sooner than later. Yeah. I like him, though, dude. I I, think he's a savage. I I really fuck with him. 
for Gaethje though, you I want the rematch. No, no, I want I want the rematch between him and Charles. Charles is already fighting Darius, brother. Is he? Yeah, Gaethje ain't gonna wait that long. Oh yeah, that's right. Oh yeah, that's right. They did sign. Dude, Dustin versus Justin, and it's, they probably both retire. Dude, Dustin will shut up about getting another shot at the belt, which Cheeto, Cheeto said it best. He goes, number one contender means nothing. He goes, your no, contender not spot anymore, means yeah. nothing. Not, nothing yeah. anymore. Dana, Dana, Dana just up, wakes up one morning, poops a certain way, and is like, oh, I think this guy should fight. That's why I love the PFL, though, dude. It doesn't matter if you're a boring fighter. It doesn't matter if you have a fuck ton of followers on Instagram. It doesn't matter if you're this or that. You could have no social media and fight boring as hell, but if you win every fight, you win a million dollars in the world title. There's no, there's no politics. You win the tournament, you win. Like that's how it works. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Hey man, is what it is. Yeah, let's but go yeah. over our main event, Zach. Um, Mr. Leon Edwards defended his title and won a, I think, majority decision over Kamara Usman, which is two judges gave it to him, one judge made it a draw. I believe that was the case. One draw and then two forty-eight, forty-six. Yeah, so, so a majority, yeah, majority decision went to um. Went to Leon. Yeah. So I think Leon won the fight, but I don't think Leon won the game. I think it was a draw because this is how I look at it. First of all, I wanted Leon to win. I'm not a big Usman guy, and Leon has grown on me so fucking much. I really like Leon. You know, especially as being a young fighter, like I looked up to what he did to Usman the first time, and it showed me like anything could fucking happen. So I really like Leon. Um, but first I want to address the the finger, the 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 fence grab. I do agree with Herb Dean and calling that a point. Mm-hmm. First, you had the fingers in the glove, which obviously, like, I'm going to be honest, that's that's tricky because sometimes you don't mean to do it and it happens. And I'm speaking on a personal experience. The natural position for a hand with the yeah, gloves now through, yeah. too. And then when you yeah. go to grab, you can grab like, like this and it slides down. Or like you go here and it comes like, that's iffy. Grabbing the fence is not iffy at all though. <laughs> like that motherfucker grabbed that shit. And the thing is, is like Herb Dean said, is like if you didn't grab it, he took you down. You know, so you can't argue that. I do agree with Herb there. I also, a lot of people are upset that, that he repositioned them. Dude, he took the point. You don't, you don't lose a point lose and, a point and position. Back. Yeah. The only, the only time, the only time I've ever seen that done was when Herb Dean was officiating John Jones versus it, John Jones was coming off his DQ loss. And I forget who he was fighting. Took I down think he fought Ryan Bader. Took down Ryan Bader. Ryan Bader hit Jones with an up kick when they were both downed opponents. They he stood him back up to deduct a point from Bader and then put them back down. I agree with that though. But I that but that. but a take but a takedown was already there. Yeah, it already happened. Yeah, and it already happened. Jones is already in a winning position. So if you are going to stop the fight and deduct a point, at least give the man his position back. Yeah, and people don't understand too. Like a point deduction is huge. Massive. You, it's basically a lost round, no matter what you do, unless you fucking finish. For one, for one of the judges, it was a draw. Yeah. For one of the judges, it immediately changed the fight to a draw. So the reason why I, oh no, yeah, you go, you go. You know, I was just gonna say because I also thought he lost that round. A ten eight round is exactly huge. what I was gonna say. It's exactly what I was gonna say. Huge. Yeah. Massive. Completely shifts the entire focus of the yeah. fight. Because at that point, the way I saw it was, I'm gonna now. I'll give. I'll just say how I saw the fight. I did think Leon won round one. I thought Usman won rounds two and three, and I thought Leon won four and five. But I because, completely agree. Completely but because agree. of the point deduction in round three, I thought it was 47-47. Yeah, I, I thought, thought it was. And I, I said that too. I, I watched it with Dana and Jackson, and I was like, this should be a draw. 
I was like, it's either going to go to Usman because they gave him one of the toss-up rounds yep. or it's a draw. But a 48, 40, what was it, 49, 46 or 48, 46? 40, 48, 48, 46. How the fuck do you score 48, 46 in a round he lost and on top of that he lost a point? So that means they're saying he won that round Dude, and it was 9 to 9. No, no, I have the, I have the score. I have the scorecards. They called it a 9 9 round. They say the only round he won was the second round. They said that was the only one he won. And Dude. like, I, I just, now look, I was a huge advocate on, yes, I do think defensive wrestling should be rewarded a little more. And it was, it honestly I, was not fight, I would say. It was. I also don't agree with point striking either. Yeah, sure. Leon, Leon landed a just bunch like of just like, like touching him just to get the, the touch get the significant strike. Keeping it range. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just keeping it range. By the way, by the way, when you look at stats at the end of the night, total strikes, they still count the ones you block. Still counts as a strike. Yeah, it's the only time it doesn't count is if you blatantly miss. That that's the only time they don't give you. Well, a it won't back. count as significant though. Yeah, and it won't count as significant either. Yeah, but it will count as total strikes. Yes. So I mean. I get it. You can, you can try. It is a sport at the end of the day. You can try to sport your way, point your way through it. However you want to look at it. I, I'm not trying to discredit Leon in any way. Look, I think he had a phenomenal game plan coming for tomorrow's return. He was the first guy like, cause I mean, with the knockout, it was like, Oh, well, uh, you know, he caught him. He was the first guy that went out there and like strategically defeated Usman. Like he like shut down his offense and like fought his fight. Usman's hands did not leave his head for four rounds. Yeah. He was in this position for all four rounds. And Leon just took it. He just took the leg kicks because he was leaving him his leg. He had a heavy front leg. He just got him, rounded. And one of the most beautiful things that I saw a film breakdown on, every time he circled to his left or to his right, he switched into a southpaw orthodox. If he was rotating to his right, he would switch. Yeah, he, he, never, let, he never let Usman get outside get of his lead. Outside of him, ever, ever. If he was ever rotating out, if he's ever rotating to his left, he would switch to southpaw so his, so his – Movement foot was always his back leg, so he could always check the takedowns. Yeah. That's how it was fucking beautiful. Genius, bro. It yeah. was gorgeous. It was it, it was, was strategically beautiful. Yes, gorgeous. Set him up with the leg kicks in the entire fight. Once Usman finally got to the point where he had to drop his hands and throw, finally threw the leg kick just to put that image back in his mind. Like, remember what I did last time? What Usman well, do? Had the, well, he almost hit it. He almost, almost hit, hit it again. Beginning the fifth round. Yeah, almost hit yeah. it again. Set it up the entire time again. And, and the thing is, and, uh, and look, uh, and so first of all, I wanted Leon to win, and I'm not upset that he won at all. I just think if we're going to not be fans and we're going to be real realists, it should have been a draw. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, I'm tired of hearing all these excuses of, well, Usman's knees are bad, or Usman didn't have a long enough camp, or Usman this, Usman that. I don't disagree with that. His knees are terrible. He has to walk downstairs backwards now because he can't front load his knees. Okay? Yeah. I understand that. I don't think his mental was fully there. I understand that. But that is part of the fight game. You never go into a fight at 100%. And if anyone should know that, it's the second longest reigning welterweight champion of all time at Kamar Usman. You know? So, yeah. Do I think he's banged up? And do I think that he could have given a better Usman to Leon Edwards? Yes. But I think if we're going to play that game, Zach, we could go on for hours talking about scenarios like that. It's not just Usman. You know? And Usman accepted the fight knowing all those things too, you know? But I just think – I do think Usman's a little beat up. And I also think, dude, he's, he's getting older. I mean, he's been in the game for a fucking minute. He's, what, 19 and 2? He's been in the game forever. And also, he has two little girls, and he's tired of not seeing them grow up. 
I say he does one more big fight, retires. I could see him and Jorge doing like a money fight or something like something where it's just like a, a big fucking fight, and then he, I think he's out. I don't think he fights anymore. I he mean, wants to honestly, see his kids. Yeah, honestly, both of them. Because I mean, Jorge's what thirty eight. Yeah. So I mean, give it one last give um, Mazadal one last chance, uh, kind of as like redemption. Is so well, if, he, if he beats Burns, we gotta shut the fuck up. But yeah. Yeah, I just no, don't see any way in hell he beats Burns. Yeah, no. I don't know, man. I was listening to his podcast and he just like there's just there's a certain comp like there's a difference between cocky and confidence and like he was very calm and like didn't shit talk Burns at all. Just the way he like talked about his approach to the fight. It it seems like his game plan, he's very trusting in his game plan. I'm not saying it's well, gonna don't work. you also think he's letting his nuts hang a little because the fight's in Miami. Miami. So yeah. yeah. I mean, that's also that's gotta help, bro. That's massive. gotta help. That is no, because, dude, the way he was explaining it is so cool. Is he was like, he's like, when I wake up in the morning, he goes, I'm taking my car. I'm taking my meds. He goes, I'm driving to the stadium as if it's another fucking practice. He goes, but guess what? There's just a little more bargaining chips on the table. He goes, yeah, but I mean, so is Burns. Burns fans in Deerfield. Like, I mean, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> so there's, there's, like growing up on the streets of Cuba. All right. Now, yeah, you're, just fuck, yeah. now you're just fuck with the hype, man. Now you're just being a no, I, mean, I get I get the point he's trying to make, but like Burns, Burns and Jorge trained 30 minutes away from each other. <laughs> it's not like like look, it's going to be all Jorge's people though. Jorge is the king of Miami, a hundred percent. But distance wise, <laughs> but distance wise, they live 30 minutes away from each other. We should just be like the anti-promoters where anytime they try to make a story look cool, we just find out all like the most like boring facts about it. And be like, yeah, but shut the fuck up yeah but no but it will be completely jorge's fans it'll be all jorge you want to oh, yeah. It. yeah it's gonna be his his arena yeah. i wonder yeah. what song i think that helps him oh he's gonna bad. walk out to fucking uh either bad bunny or that bad other bunny, yeah. uh who's the other hispanic guy that's big in mma azuna azuna yeah azuna yeah so yeah. i mean they're, they're the two guys that always like gas up jorge so i honestly i'm gonna be completely honest I wouldn't be surprised if one of them walks out rapping or singing live with Jorge. That would just be, to sell the fuck out of it. I mean, that'd be like the closest thing we'd get to a goddamn like boxing intro. I think that'd be hard as fuck. I think it would be hard. So yeah. long as we don't have guys dressing up in 30 pound entrance gear and saying, Oh my God, the equipment was too heavy. It weighed up my legs. Yeah. That that's retarded. <laughs> but I, I think, I think that, uh, I think that'd be hard. I do think it'd be hard. I'd be hard. I'd like that. But yeah. Let's get to our, our our next fight this weekend, I, dude. What a fucking banger of a fight! We have Cheeto Vera. I think I think it's four versus three. Cheeto Vera is fighting Corey Sandhagen. Uh, it's in Texas, I believe, right? No, it's at the Apex. Oh no, oh, no, it's the other no. Way it got moved. Yeah, yeah, yeah it got, got moved, moved to Texas. Moved. Um, yeah. When the fight was a first announced, it was it was in the Apex, and it was supposed to be uh in like so end of February, nice. I think, or like early early March. Yeah, Everyone was like, how the fuck do you not put it. fans in front of this fight? They're probably the two most inter- – they are, for a fact, the two most entertaining bantamweight fighters in the UFC. And they're probably two of the most entertaining fighters in MMA overall. Um, so everyone was like, what the fuck? And they were like, you know what? We're sorry. We're going to put it in front of fans. Like, you just they, – they had to. Um, it really fucking sucks one of these guys got to lose, bro. It really sucks. I love both of them so much, and they're both so badass. It's going to be a fucking barn burner. It's going to be a five-round war. It's going to be a fucking war. 
I want to go Cheeto because I, I if I had to pick between the two, I'm a bigger Cheeto fan. I love Cheeto. And he's never been knocked down, which is going to really throw off Corey. Something about me says Corey's got it. I don't know why. So there's something. I don't know if it's the preparation. I don't know mm. what it is. There's something about it that I'm like, mm. I feel like I feel like this is Cheeto's. I want to call it a respect fight, but it's it's the fight that turns everyone's head. I think he's been winning so often, and I think because he's such a good guy and just so like down to earth that a lot of people just overlook his fighting ability because he's not super marketable. I mean, puts on bangers for fight for, for fights. So his fighting speaks well, he's for not itself. super marketable in America. America. Internationally, he's very super marketable because he does a lot of the announcing for uh, the UFC and Espanol. So yes. he has a huge Spanish following. Yes. Um, like it's, the fights themselves sell his international um, presence is well felt. I just feel like a lot of his fights kind of slip under the radar just because he tends to fight during the midst of like other great, either great fights in the card or other fights, either up and coming after him, like how we have the 287 rematch in Miami coming right after him. So I hope, I do hope, they put on the barn burner that they're supposed to. I think this is a win for MMA and MMA fans in general. Yeah. Um, regardless of the outcome, I think this is going to be a show that everyone can enjoy. I'm so glad this got moved to a proper arena. Um, I can yeah, go. Yeah, there's no way you have these two guys fighting. You don't put a fan. You don't put fans there. Like, yeah. Just... Yeah. Um, another thing I will say, I, I feel like it's something going on right now. Yeah. Well, I feel like, oh, you got it. yeah, no, I think I got it, but, I think another thing is the only way we get robbed of this as fans is if it's a first round knockout. I know it'll probably be electric. I know it'll probably be electric and like probably win like KO of the year nominee. I just can't see either like, one of them knocking each other out in the first round. Yeah, but that would be that. That's like the most Cheeto Vera Corey Sandhagen yeah. ass thing to say. Like that. That like that's literally like I could so see like the dumbest flying knee or like a cartwheel capoeira like just ridiculous roundhouse kick coming out of nowhere. Like Anthony Pettis jumping off the cage type shit going down. I think, um, dude, like even if you don't follow MMA, like like, uh, this is the fight I would show someone that's never watched the fight. This is what I would show them. Like, like a casual sports fan that wants to get in. I'd be like, watch this fight. And it sucks because it's a fight night. and There's not as much publicity about it. And the UFC for some reason has been sucking dick this year with, uh, promoting their fights. But dude, this is, I can't put into words how awesome this fucking fight is. Also, shout out Frankie Edgar, bro. They're just posting so many clips of him getting murdered by Cheeto and Corey Sandhagen <laughs> going into this fight. Someone posted on Twitter, like, a drinking game. Take a shot every time you see Frankie Edgar get knocked out this Saturday. Because oh. they're just going to show the clips over and over and over again. He, I'm not going to lie. Frankie Edgar maybe a new award that's named for if you are on the receiving end of too many brutal knockouts. Yeah. I yeah. think the Sanhagen knockout is my favorite MMA knockout of all time. Just, I watched it live. Yeah. I see. I watched the Cheeto one live too, though, actually, but it wasn't. Yeah. The Sanhagen one was like in the first 30 fucking seconds, bro. Didn't wait. Didn't Frankie Edgar also get mutilated by a, a knee by a Gutierrez? Yeah. in his last fight. Yeah. Yeah. This guy just eats KOs for a living. Like, good God, please. He should have. He's someone that should have been retired, though. 
Dana was like, how many times do I have to teach you this lesson, old man? I can only knee you in the fucking head. Yeah. So many times before you die. If we're going to talk about it, like, um, like technical-wise, I think um, – so my keys to victory. I'll do my keys to victory. If I'm, if I'm Cheeto, I am making it an MMA fight. I'm not making it a ones and twos. I'm, I'm utilizing the clinch. I'm utilizing shorting the gap. I'm utilizing elbows, knees. We're going to – I'm not going to wrestle him, but I'm going to stand up, grapple him a little. I'm going to use the cage. Like, I want to make it an ugly brawl because that is where Cheeto is the most violent. Cheeto will stand in front of you and talk you down. That's my key to victories. Make it violent. Make it ugly. Make it a not a pretty fight. That's how you're going to win. If I'm Corey Sandhagen, I'm going to be technical and movement out the ass. Cheeto wants you to slow down. If you watch Cheeto, his pace doesn't change all five rounds. It's the same, like, lull you to sleep, lull you to sleep, lull you to sleep. Boom. Like, that's how he gets his, his wins. They're just like, he's boring, he's boring, he's boring. You start falling asleep. Dude, you knocks you out. If I'm Sandhagen, it's just nonstop movement, nonstop movement. Ones and twos out, ones and twos out. I don't want to get into a brawl. Corey, um, Cheeto Bear has never been knocked down. He's one of three fighters that never be knocked down in MMA. So you're not going to go out there. I mean, you you might you might be the guy. I just – I wouldn't go into the fight banking on it. You know, like, oh, I'm going to be the guy. Like, I wouldn't do that. I think I'm Sandhagen. I'm chopping the legs and moving. Just movement, movement. Come in, come out. Movement, movement. Don't let Cheeto load anything up. You know, and it's hard to do that for five rounds. It's very hard to do that for 25 minutes just to keep moving. But, I mean, that's what it takes. Is it five rounds? Is it yeah, five rounds? Yeah, damn. Yeah. Um, both these guys are going five rounds. Both of the gas tanks. It's going to be really fun to watch to see who leads the dance. You know, who's who's going to lead it. I just think I think Cheeto's strikes got a little more violence to them than, than Corey's. Corey, I don't think – I think Corey has to win a decision. I think Cheeto can finish him. Fair enough. Yeah, I uh... – I'm not super confident in picking a winner. I feel like yeah, it's hard. It's really I, fucking hard. Yeah, I'm on that. I'm on a fence right now where I feel like if I say one fighter's name, I'm gonna end the pod, and five minutes later, I'm gonna say, "Oh man, I really think this guy's got it." Because like, just watching them throughout their careers, like they're just so good. I feel like, like you said though, Cheeto, Cheeto to me is like very. It's a very refreshing thing. It's like almost nostalgic because. He is very lulling in his early rounds, and then he's so explosive in his later rounds that you tend to forget how good he actually is because, like, you don't remember all of his fights. You just remember his, like, individual moments of him being great. So I feel like this is – I am going to go with Cheeto in this fight. Um, I'm going to go with, like, a fourth-round knockout. Say Cheeto fourth-round knockout. I think TKO over a knockout. I don't know if he can just sleep. Well, him. that's what I mean. Gonna, I think he's going to break like, him down. Yeah, TKO KO. Because even when Corey's knocked out, I was watching one of his fights recently where he got starched in the first round and somehow survived. Um, Dude, they both have so many highlight knockouts. Because, like, you even got that Corey spinning fucking axe kick when he knocked out Marlon Marias. Oh, yeah. Not a... Damn, there are a lot of... There should definitely be an award for someone on the receiving end of, like, the worst knockout. Maybe not, like... Yeah, the Ben Askren Award. Ooh, that'd be nice. Because maybe, maybe it's not like the best move or like the most. Because like I don't want it to be the opposite end of whoever wins knockout of the year. Because knockout of the year is just the best. It's technically the best strike that ends in a knockout in my eyes. But for me, I feel like the Frankie Edgar Award or the Ben Askren Award is like what looks the most like damaging. Like what? Like what did I see that was like? Oh my god, that guy just died. 
Like for me, Frankie Edgar, the way his body dropped after Corey Sanhagen landed that knee, like dude, yeah, his just body, stiff and just... yeah, he just felt like a board. Or like even Loyola Machida when he got choked out by John Jones, like that was a dead body. Yeah. That was a dead body. There's a lot, there's probably a lot. We probably give a lot of examples of people that have died. Um, yeah, which is how it is. But I mean, outside yeah, of that, that's can... everything I have to say for that fight. Uh, any last words, Zach? If you're missing this card this weekend, shame on you. Uh, you're missing out on very quality. Look, I know we shouldn't have to say this, but I feel like we do. Just because a card is not pay-per-view or doesn't have a number behind the name doesn't mean it's not worth watching. No, no. If you see, if you see a fight that impressed you, whether it be in prelims or you saw a highlight, write it down. Because you never know when that guy's going to fight again. He could be on some other guys. Some you can Hell, catch the you can catch the rise of a star, dude. Yeah, you catch the rise of a star. Um, personally, there's another guy on the card that I wasn't even paying too much attention to until I saw a TikTok about it. Uh, it was Nate Landwer. Um, and in his last fight, he literally almost lost because even though he had top mount and dominant position and every single round, he immediately gave it up to stand up and walk away and cheer on the crowd just to let the guy recover and get back up. And no did it. Way. Yeah, go go rewatch the Nate Landwer fight. It's the funniest shit in the world because the first round he gets starched. He gets starched, like dropped, makes his way back, reverses the guy, gets ground and pound, lands two punches, and then is like, nah, this is boring. Let's the dude go and is going like this with his back turned to the guy. And the guy stands up and he's like, What the fuck is going on? Like, did I lose? And the ref's just like looking at him both, like, what just happened? Dude turns around, they start brawling again. Takes him down two more times is the same thing both times. God, his coach had to be so pissed. Oh, probably, but the dude, pretty sure the, the dude won performance of the night just because of it. Because he That's was like, crazy. I don't give a shit if I'm going to lose. He was like, I think it was like 20, I think it was a split decision too. It was like 29, 28, some shit like that. But regardless, um, he'll probably definitely want to put on a show. He fights Austin Lingo, who sits at nine and one. So, yeah. And that's the. He's on the main card. He's not the co-main because our co-main is Holly Holm. Valentina. Yeah, Holly Holm, not Valentina. Yeah, but yeah, guys, tune in. We've got to talk some NCAA wrestling. We talked some UFC 286, and we talked some UFC Fight Night, San Hagen versus Chito Vera. Tune in. Tag us in anything you want to tag us in. Comment at us. If you're still here in this pod, let us know. Talk some MMA. Yeah, nominate a Clocks on the Stove for the Ariel Hawani Award when it comes yeah. out for MMA journalism.